Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. This is a uh, section that we let run long about SaaS security. Uh, it goes about 20 minutes, so it's a short topic, but really important about can we secure SaaS infrastructure? Can we protect the secrets that people are trusting SaaS providers to store for us? Uh, this is on the eve of the Twitch leak, where, boy, a lot of sensitive information was uh, exposed, exposed to the public, but it comes on the heels of uh, all sorts of other leaks and compromises, downtimes on systems, which seem to be coming faster and faster. The fundamental question here is, can we trust a SaaS provider to secure our information and what to do about it. Uh, we really spent the time talking about what we could do about it. And I wanted to share that with you as a one-on-one -on -one session or a special session. I think you'll enjoy it. It's a good discussion. We've had, we've gone from hack of the week to hack of the day. Um, and I was interested if anybody wanted wanted to talk about uh, Facebook uh, down. Uh, I guess not assuming that it was just a PR stunt or the Twitch hack um, or leak. I think they're calling that a leak. Um, if you know, I would I would open those up to cover. Or actually, if anybody wants to talk about VMworld and what VMworld stuff. There's a lot of news, tech news to sort of talk through. Uh, I mean, not so much talking, but just two cents. Uh, the, the, from my perspective, the, the Twitch leak was much more damaging than the Facebook outage. Like Facebook only shot themselves. Twitch basically shot every one of their users. <laughs> You, was was there? I mean, besides showing what people were making, um, which in some ways is positive marketing for Twitch because people were doing pretty well. Uh, there um, was contact information as well, so oh, that's shit. a treasure trove for scammers. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. I changed my passwords on Twitch and set up two FA, but God, and that was a leak, so. Yeah. Yep. Like if someone knows that you mm. make, I don't know, 10,000 a month uh, from Twitch and they have to have your contact information, they're going to try to that's scam you. Also. Yeah. No, that's right. Yeah. You were, you were at that point, target. And there were people making millions. But yeah, you're right. So the, even the smaller, the smaller players who are, who might not have the defenses of millions, um, would be would be a target. I I have a broader question from this perspective because this is the thing to me that um, depending on SASs and, and tell me if if I'm just completely taking this too too many steps. Um, we as com as companies and as individuals are depending on all these SaaS businesses to a huge extent and. It feels like they might just be one leak from exposing, you know, all sorts of information. I you think know, there's also go ahead. I'm sorry. I think there's also a problem of attitude 
towards when or, or if leaks can happen. At this point, it should be a given that if you have information on a system, at some point or another, it will likely be leaked. So what protections are there for the, for the consumers and users for when that happens? The companies are protecting themselves already, like with insurance and, and whatnot, but consumers are, are left out high and dry. I, I would say even even companies, like I don't care how much insurance you have, if you have, you know, uh actually here, let me I'll I'll put it in rack end terms to make it very concrete. We use Slack, we use Zoom, we use HubSpot, right? We have all these things that that you know, Zendesk, um, you know, here's <laughs> right, it's you know, nothing none of this is uncommon. GitLab, you know, all these, you know, so we're at, we have all these services. These services have you know, our customer information in them. They have histories and things like that from our systems. Those are things we don't, we don't and contractually can't distribute uh, to an extent that, you know, somebody could, could, you know, any of these SaaSes could take those, you know, if they leaked that data, it would be, you know, wouldn't, insurance wouldn't cover it from that perspective. So, so here's a silly question. Yeah. Why wouldn't you take your customer information and throw it into a, a blockchain? Not an Ethereum or a Bitcoin or a whatever, but I mean, it's not hard to build a little blockchain of your own and keep it in there. So uh, where you keep it is, is a different question, but... It would, Why not? I mean, it would still it would still be need to be hashed and protected. Like I'd have to have a, but none of those none of those SaaS vendors would be able to then leverage the blockchain. Well, maybe I'm not understanding the. Those vendors. Why couldn't you put an API call or some mechanism in place where you have it? It's immutable, non fungible. Whatever you want to do in that blockchain, but you keep it there because I'm hearing a lot of, and, and this is coming out of the UK, Australia, Canada. I haven't heard it come out of the US yet, but the major insurance companies, because of all the hacks, are starting to look at this a lot more seriously and say, maybe to satisfy know your customer or you know, uh, anti-money laundering, we should require companies of any size to keep their customer information in a chain so that it is secure. So even if you get hacked, you know, it's kind of like the idea of putting your code in escrow. Right. It's it's secure from it's secure on a business continuity scale, right? Correct. So that no yeah. one can can ransomware you to the point that you can't get your information. But I guess from the other side, it, it does make some of it public unless you encrypted like Rob was saying. So well there are private chains. Mm -hmm. Right. There is one big reason why this would be non-feasible, and that is GDPR. You have to have the ability to remove your user information. And with blockchain, you you're you're breaking the chain if you do that. Well it, that's not, um, not exactly you have to put in place the means by which 
it is no longer accessible. Doesn't right. have to be. It is. I mean, erasure. Right of erasure is a is a is a bad term for the for the interpretation of the of the law. It and and the the whole point here is that um, a legitimate request is uh, once it is legitimized or um, or authorized has to be um, honored by the holder of that data such that it is, you know, you know it's removed from, from availability. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean outright erasure necessarily. And, and my argument still stands. You, you, you yeah. cannot make earlier blocks in the chain unavailable. Yeah, you can. Um, oh. You, but if you you can prox you can proxy, you, you, you can put it put in front of a of a block um basically access to a to an entry in a blockchain and then um you know throw away certain things that would make it completely unreadable the point that you want to be sure you do is that you retain you may end up retaining certain information that I have at some point stored that information, made it available, and then made it unavailable. It's like double entry accounting. You, you know, you don't actually um, wipe something off of the of the accounting ledger. You offset it or you make it. Uh, unavailable, and there are there are a couple of ways in which people are using this for this for the very reason that um, sometimes you want to modify or update or uh, revise information that has been placed uh, in a quote immutable store. You right. you override it or you you put something in front. Of it rather than going directly to the immutable, you know, or first entry. At which well, point, a blockchain is no longer the right tool for that because that is the, the, why I, the use. I think I, I think blockchain <laughs> is, is in fact the wrong. Yeah. Well, let's put it this way: blockchain is not necessarily going to save you, or or. It, blockchain doesn't automatically supply you with all the functionality you require to meet um, compliance requirements like GDPR or CCPA. It is um, cryptographically anchoring. Yes, um, there are lots of ways of doing it, but blockchain, well, blockchain, no. Yeah, like what a, a, a Merkle tree database might be fine, but the other. Yeah. The, the, the only place where, where blockchain should be considered is where you have information uh, that needs to be accessible by multiple entities and that should not be under the control of one single entity. Mm -hmm. I don't disagree with any of it. I'm just telling you what I'm hearing yeah. coming from insurance and other providers. And there is a bit of a of, of a inquiry trend with regard to this, because the more the more these hacks continue, the more the leaks continue, people are looking in that direction. I'm not suggesting that that's the only way, 
but some form of encrypted container. Yes, that's fine. And, you know, their their approaches to zero knowledge, right. morphic encryption, if you need it, th those things are, are coming up. But maybe it's a it's either a misunderstanding of what you can and can't do with blockchain or it's attributing well it is often in in many cases attributing more more magical powers to blockchain than is really <laughs> It, it might also right. be a misunderstanding of, of, of the, the problem space. Like I, I can see yeah. blockchain as being useful for, say, insurance companies to share information with each other. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, or, or at least share verification information with, with each other. Um, in, fa in fact, it, like there, there are legitimate implementations of blockchains now for securities trading. Yeah. Absolutely, that that are being adopted by by uh, by banks. And in fact, my, my former employer is 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 going uh, live with, with with their securities trading blockchain platform uh, next week. So, um, but but yeah, it's uh, but it, there's a it, it largely you largely need uh, uh, to to consider that the only thing that you want to put in a blockchain is publicly available information. That's correct. And, and that, and, that to and me is, is the, the thing that, that is really interesting here from this the leak perspective is if you're in dealing with all these third parties, what you'd really like to be able to do is hand them information that was encrypted or secured public, right? And then say, here is the key you need to decrypt that information that, you know, and they, they still have, you still have the problem of them of the lifetime of that key, but conceivably, you know, they don't have any data. They're not storing the, the raw, the leakable data because it's now public. That's the, I think that's where the blockchain becomes interesting. It doesn't have to be a blockchain. It's like, yeah, here is all of the information you need for us. It's all encrypted, it, but you're going to have to have a private key with, with restricted access or limited scope against that public data. And then you can control that key. That's an interesting desassification of or desassification and, and there there are service providers that, that make it a business of providing exactly that i mean look, look at proton yeah. mail like the, their data, the, all of the, the data is encrypted at rest and the the user is prompted for their decryption key on on login it's not it's not just their credential but also the decryption key right so they don't actually even know you like that the decryption is only is basically carried by the user during their session. Exactly. But, and actually, I think the password keepers do the same, same type of thing. They don't, they don't actually know. Looks like sometimes they do, but they, they, they don't really know your password information evolved. The, 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 I mean, they the, the store it encrypted, yes, but, but the, the, the decryption key is, is not persistent. Correct. That would be an interesting solution to this because I, I suspect, my, <laughs> I don't have to suspect, clearly these, you know, every company is vulnerable to, to having the information that they're storing on your behalf leak um, and made public. So not really a question of if, but when any one company's um, information, you know, the information they're storing for all their customers is going to become public information. 
I don't think the, the, the data address is the problem. I mean, every cloud provider these days offers KMS um, or every large cloud provider. Uh, but the problem is when, when, the, when your data is hot, when, when you load it in, into memory in, in your database and your database gets compromised, um, like just because of a weak login or, or, or it's been exposed under some RC or, or whatever, uh, your data is hot. It's already in memory. Like the, the all of your address protections are useless there. Yeah, I, that that makes me nostalgic for old school hacks where somebody would like just get into a database and be able to retrieve records, versus uh, like downloading the data at rest. Do you think that the that those are those are now just converged into the same basic hack or the same basic risk, or is there still a bigger a bigger risk for these data at rest? Running systems are to date the biggest data exfiltration points uh, out there. Okay. So, so I mean, data at rest is hardly ever compromised. I mean, look look at the 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 most recent Bitwarden uh, leaks. I mean, they got the data addressed, but nobody got access to it. So, so in, in in that sense, the address protections are working. It's just the the hot data protections that are not working. And and in the case of Twitch and something like that, they need to keep their data hot because the the users expect uh, sub second response times. Right. Yeah, but I mean, in, the, in those cases, the, those are those are legitimate leaks, right? That's somebody who had internal access. You know, um, you know, you know, you could, and you know, from Facebook's perspective, all the the documents that are now subject to congressional hearings are are leaks. Also, they're not they're not intrusions. They're not they're not a breach. Right. I mean, they, they had a concurrent breach as well. But uh, so, so Facebook basically got, got a trifecta of problems that they had their outage, that they have the congressional hearing, and they, they got the leak. Yeah. yeah. The unacceptable hat trick. <laughs> and, and no sympathy for them at all. It's a consequence. I sort of um, semi-abandoned all of it years ago, so. Yeah. I love it when we take our sort of intro time in these 2030s and go open it up and, and let, let the conversation run. Because we really cover interesting things in the first 15 minutes that don't always make it into the podcasts. Um, in this case, I thought it was worth sharing, and you know, I hope it inspires you to join us at the 2030.cloud and be part of these conversations. Um, not everything that we talk about makes it to the podcast, and this is a great example of really, really important things that we are talking about as we warm up for the broader topics. I'll see you there. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put 
uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly, or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.